Most of my Latino and black people who are struggling to get food, clothes, and shelter in the hood are so concerned with that that philosophizing about freedom and socialist democracy is usually, unfortunately, beyond their rationale. They don't realize that America can't exist without separating them from their identity. Because if we had some sense of who we really are, there's no way in hell we'd allow this country to push its genocidal consensus on our homelands. This ignorance exists, but it can be destroyed. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Talk. Today, I got with me Omar Escobar. What's up, Omar? Hey, how's it going, Alex? Omar, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name's Omar, and I'm born and raised in Mountain View, California. Um, I'm 26 years old, and I'm a single father. Um, how did we meet, Omar? We were working together for um, the company Apple in the kitchen, and... Um, Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that Apple has a huge corporate kitchen. Yeah, um, I would tell people I work at a Apple at a kitchen. People thought I was talking about Applebee's. They, yeah, they would it's always the say case. the same thing about me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to, like, tell them twice, like, Apple, the, the, the people that make your phone. What I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I met you, like, uh, I think it was, like, a... Uh, About six years ago. Yeah. 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 We uh we met at uh the corporate cafeteria of uh Apple. So right now we're in sunny California in the South Bay Silicon Valley. Yes. And formerly, for those of you who don't know the history of this area, before the Silicon Valley boom, it used to be nothing but uh orange farms. Yeah, a lot of farms in the neighborhood, um, yeah. huge farms. All gone now. All gone now. Replaced by? Townhouses and um, Google uh, buildings and, of course, Apple buildings, Facebook buildings. Um, yeah, there's, uh, the Silicon Valley is the birth of uh, all these huge companies. Of course, that is bringing in jobs, but also raising the, the price of living, of course. Right. And I, I wanted to bring you on because you have an interesting perspective because you're, you know, you're, you're in your mid-20s. You have a daughter. And you'd be considered the, the millennial, right? You're a millennial just like myself. Trying to, to make it here in the Bay. And what's your, what's, what's your view or your, your idea of so far of the living situation for a lot of people our age out here? Well, unfortunately, Alex, um, like myself, most people my age, we are all living under the poverty line. Like, we are considered the poorest of the poor in this area. Hmm. Um, they say to live comfortably in this area, you got to make $100,000 a year. We make nowhere near that amount. How, how many people do you know that make a hundred thousand dollars a year? Um, my age or just people I know? I guess just people you know. Very numbered. Very numbered. What about people our age? No, 
Absolutely no one. Right. So it seems like <laughs> what's being um, reflected isn't reality, right? In the media telling saying that you need to make $100,000. Well, I guess it's not. It is no, reality. It but is reality. I can tell you. It's right reality, now. but it's not, um, you know, most of us aren't making that type of money. No. No, most of us are not. Even uh, college grads, um, it's hard to find work for college grads out here because uh, a lot of the good jobs are being outsourced. Hmm. So you get out of college, and um, like many friends of mine have, and they can't find a job. And they're in the same situation as I am that didn't go to college, but they still are in the poverty line Hmm. as well as I am. Um, could you talk about some of your experience? Um, it's kind of funny. Well, let me, let me bring this up. We're here in Sunnyvale, California and the headquarters of Yahoo. Am I right? Yahoo is here in Sunnyvale. Uh, yes. Right. So I can drive maybe 10, maybe five to seven minutes away and you can see the Yahoo uh, logo on the building and where people are probably making a good amount of money. But down the street (laughs) from the headquarters of Yahoo, there's a street there, a particular street full of RVs. And you have some personal experience with this. Oh, yes, yes. Um, uh, About a year ago, I became homeless. Excuse me. Um, it uh, It was a really rough patch. Um... I had a good friend of mine loan me uh, $2,000 to buy an RV. And I lived in this RV for uh, about a year. And the struggle was real. And I wasn't alone in it. You know, there was, I had multiple neighbors. um, I'd say 30 plus neighbors in this one street Everyone living out of the RV. RVs in different conditions. Some were, I'd say about five out of the 30 neighbors had brand new RVs. All the other ones were, they were damaged like my own. My, mine had leaks. The bathroom didn't work. No electricity. It was pretty much a shell. And the, in the coldest winter we've ever had, in a, not ever, but in a long time here in the Bay Area, it was freezing. Um, I, I felt ashamed because I mean, I couldn't provide for my daughter. I had to uh, let her stay at uh, her grandma's house because I didn't want her to suffer with me. I could bear the suffering, but the children is, you know, I couldn't allow my child to bear that suffering. And so I had to put my my pride aside <clears throat> to allow her to live comfortable. But um, like I said, I wasn't in a struggle alone. I had other friends who were homeless and who lived with me because they had nowhere else to go either. And temperatures were like 15 degrees and we're in this shell. <laughs> no insulation. No heat. No heat whatsoever. And (laughs) 
it, it's a miracle that, you know, we did not get really sick in there. Right. You know? Wow. So you weren't alone. 30 other trailers on the same street, probably in a similar situation. Very similar. Um, and we're, we're down the street from Yahoo where people are making um, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Yes. Um, we were just grateful to have someone we could park, really. I was really happy to have somewhere to park because... Um, you know, you got to move your RV every three days. And um, like I said, all of these RVs, they're not in running working condition. So we're pretty much living like uh, like rodents. We're running and hiding and trying to find the next place we could stay without having to move, pick up and move. Keep in mind, since the RVs are not running perfectly fine, it is a struggle getting them up and running just to move a block. Well, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if the city of Sunnyville or, or, or this area has done much to address um, the, the, you know, the, the economic situation, which I don't think they have, right? They kind of just, there's the haves and the have-nots. Well, the city of Sunnyville has changed a lot since I was born to how old, so 26 years from now, um, my father bought a house in Malview, which is right next door to Sunnyvale, um, for 120000 about 22 years ago. Same house is valued at uh, $1.5 million now. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So with all these big businesses, these uh, typhoons, if you may, coming in, yes, they're bringing in jobs, but not necessarily enough to afford to live here. We cannot afford a fucking $1.5 million house, and this is no mansion. This is uh, a three-bedroom house, two-bathroom, single-story. This is not a luxurious house, if you may. It is, uh, it's outrageous how high the real estate market has gone up and how low, how the paying wages stay low. Right. So right now, the minimum wage um, in the South Bay, I think you said it was 15? No, I'm going to correct you there, Alex. Um, parts of the South Bay oh. is 15. Okay. Um, not every not every city is paying fifteen yet, so they pick and choose of which area. But it all it's all expensive here, so it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. So I believe uh, this coming up year they're going to change it to fifteen seventy five. But I mean, what are seventy five cents? <laughs> you know. Right. What does it What does that even do? It's nothing much. Right. And um, keep in mind. The rent to rent an apartment in Mountain View, it costs you um, two thousand five hundred up easily. Mm. To rent a house, talking about uh, around four thousand to five thousand. So working full time, if you do the math, 
if you're doing paid minimum wage at $15 an hour. Impossible. Yeah, you're getting monthly, your check is about $2,000. So you can't even pay for rent. It's impossible. At yes. best, you may be able to afford a room. That is correct. A lot of people have um, turned to renting rooms. And um, the reality is uh, everyone I went to school with, high school, middle school, elementary, if your parents did not buy a house 20 years ago, you do not live in this city no more. Uh, I believe uh, the term for it is uh, gentrification. Right. Right. Pushing people out. Yes. Of um, of uh, lower class to make room for the upper class to move in. So everyone I grew up with has now moved to San Jose. Of course, with um, these huge corporate companies moving to San Jose now, because it's cheaper to buy buildings over there, destroy them, and build a new one. Right. Um, the price of living in San Jose is going up, too. People are moving out of San Jose now and moving to the valley. We're just running to the next cheapest place. So people keep getting pushed out more and more. Further and further, further yes. Further and further. You know what's funny is that when they raise the minimum wage... It doesn't really help too much because they end up raising the prices of everything at the same time. Yes, as well as uh, cutting hours as well. That's right. They cut hours so they don't have to. They don't have to pay you as much. Yes, uh, I believe uh, they actually move you down to part time to avoid giving you health insurance as well. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these business owners. Um, it's all about self-interest and oh, how yes. to keep they their own profits. They calculate every penny that they're going to have to give you a raise for. Make sure to deduct that from your benefits. Right. Because they don't want their profits, their salaries messed with. No. All right. And they'll do everything in their power to make sure it stays the same. Yes. So if that means layoffs, if that means using more computers or robots to replace people, um, they're going to do that. Well, that is true. But what I feel like they have done in these more tech companies, going back to the whole college students getting out of a college and not being able to find jobs, um, they outsource these jobs to um, other countries to bring people in to pay them less. They're willing to take a lower pay cut because they'll pay for their visas. They'll, you know, help them establish housing over here, help them get citizenship. And who gets the uh, shorter end of the stick? The college grads coming out that, you know, they studied here, they paid these high uh, tuitions, and now they're so deep in debt and they can't find a job. So their degree probably cost around at least $100,000 to get. And they, they can't even get a job to, to pay off this, this degree that, they're, that they owe on. They can't get a job. And if they do get a job, it's not the, um, it can't pay off. Yes, that's correct. Debts. So the idea that, that, you know, California is the paradise, like <laughs> when I'm on Hulu at, back home, 
commercials will pop up back in Boston. They'll pop up, and there'll be there'll be commercials for California tourism, for people to come move to California. In Boston, <laughs> trying to bring more people here. <laughs> tourism or pushing people to move over here. I think those are two different things. Uh, well, I think a lot of it is trying to to to, to bring people here, more people uh, here. We are really. I'd like to say overpopulated here in California. Right. And um, no, people are moving out of California. We <laughs> Californians, we love California. I love California. But there's no other solution but to move out now. We're being pushed out. Well, did, didn't you um, at one point have some... A thought at least to move out of state um yeah out of um pure you know doubt that i could make it here in california anymore where did you want to move to <sighs> um there's thoughts about uh nevada there's thoughts about texas um Hell, I mean, it's a pipe dream, but I would love to move to Colombia. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll retire there. <laughs> well, you spent some time in Colombia. Was it last year, right? Or was it this year? Uh, last year, yeah. Last year. Beautiful country. Um, Where'd you go to? I went to Medellin. How was it? It was beautiful. Um you know, there is dangerous parts, but I mean, as long as, you know, you don't go looking for trouble, you should be fine. Um, the cops there, I mean, it's really in their best interest that you stay safe as a tourist. So they're very courteous and very friendly, actually. I've never been uh, treated like cops. Uh, so you were treated better there by in a foreign country than in your own country by yes. cops. Yes. It's <laughs> funny. <laughs> Beautiful country. Wow. I believe uh, uh, everyone should visit at least one time. Don't be scared. Um, it's not like uh, the TV show Narcos. Uh, that was, uh, I believe, the 80s, right? Right, the home of Pablo Escobar. Yes, Medellin has uh, completely changed. Um, not all parts. Of course, you got to stay worried safe. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go too much into detail. About <laughs> that, but, <laughs> but I believe you, you also stayed in Colombia for a while too, right? I did. I stayed in um, Barranquilla. That's where I lived for um, six months. Where is that at? Uh, is it kind of by the capital? It's a, co it's a coastal city. So the people who live there are kind of treated as like living in the Caribbean. Like if you're living in Puerto Rico or, or Dominican Republic, it's a very coastal city. It's very hot. It's very humid. Uh, um, it's really nice, though. People love to party there. People love to have a good time. And I would say people are generally happy most of the time. Yeah. And I think that's um, it's a, they, different, a different vibe there than the vibe here in the United States. They definitely count their blessings. Yeah. And um, More grateful. Yeah. Than... than the U.S., we have so much, yet we, well, some people have so much, and 
and still aren't happy. Well, even when I was um, homeless living in the trailer, I still felt like I was blessed because, I mean, you're always going to have it better than someone else. Someone else always has it worse. Well, you had, at least you had a trailer. Yeah. And now I want to get into, like, uh, the homeless encampments here in the the, the South Bay. Yeah. I mean, talk, I mean, you live here, so how, how, like, explain that or talk about that a little bit. Well, one thing's for sure. I don't know how many homeless there are here in the South Bay, but, uh, it's it's in the tens of thousands, if not hundred thousand. Wow. There's whole families living in the streets right now. Um in San Jose it's uh they have whole um homeless communities, whole tents set up. Um they get really creative. You'd be surprised if you walk down one of these uh, communities. Um of course everyone's just trying to live their life. I mean, if you walk down one of these communities, they're not going to be like um, harassing you in any way. They are just trying to live their life, you know. They don't want to be disturbed. And um, But we have, I think here in the Bay, there's whole tent, tent cities. Yes, yes. Uh, I believe I was referring to the San Jose ones. Um, there's also ones in uh, Oakland, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe Oakland and uh, San Jose have the the biggest uh, tent cities. In California? Yes. Well, I know L.A. has that Skid Row, which is, it's like, I don't know, a mile long, two miles long, nothing but, it's nothing but homeless people and, and tents. Have you seen the Skid Row? I have not, but Oakland has their own version of Do they? Skid Row, yes. Wow. Um, now, I'm not aware of how many miles long it is, but um, it is very, the, they have huge tent cities. Yeah. I'm talking about hundreds of people living yeah. in these tents, you know. Yeah. And I believe it was last year and earlier this year, there was uh, two different uh, serial killers going around. There was one here in San Jose and one in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were killing homeless people. They were... <laughs> So they would go inside these homeless encampments and just start murdering people? Yes, that is correct. So it is very scary. Wow. It is um, it's a brutal world being a homeless person. Um, I was glad and fortunate I had a, uh, an RV. It was pretty much my shell of protection. Um, of course, that's sometimes not enough. I mean... Like I said, there was a serial killer in Los Angeles, and there was one here in San Jose. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure if this was in San Jose or in Los Angeles. I think it was in Los Angeles. One man got burned alive while he slept. Wow. Yes. Over here in San Jose, there was um, several homeless that uh, got stabbed to death while they slept or beat with um, a hammer. So... These homeless communities really have to come together and, you know, watch their own back while they sleep. Right. It's not just living in the street. You have to literally have to be have someone on watch. That's how dangerous it is. And it's kind of sad because some of these people, they have children with them. Yes. Kids with them. Yes, there's kids living with them. And uh, 
with serial killers out on the loose, it's <laughs> all right. It's scary. Um, me personally, uh, because of the dangers, uh, I had another friend who was down out on his luck, and uh, he came to live with me in my trailer. Um, but um, I also had um, I had my pistol with me the whole time, mm-hmm. loaded, ready to go. I mean, there's a serial killer. On right, this, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to do everything you can to protect yourself. Of course. Of course, I'd probably go to uh, a jail, even if the man was trying to kill me. But, I mean, that's worth my life. Right. You know? um, so you always have to be on toes, even living in the streets. Yeah, I, I think... It's just not a really, we don't really get this picture. Um, you know, when we think of know. California, a lot of people don't know yeah. that this is, this is going on. And, and we're, in, we're in Sunnyvale, California, where, like I said, it's not really even a big city. We're connected. It's right next to San Jose, which isn't that far. But this is happening literally in almost, I would say in almost every city, major city in, in California. Because I just came back from Santa Rosa and... I've never seen so many homeless. Oh, They're yeah. literally everywhere. The Pe- Bay Area as a whole is going through a gentrification. Some cities more than others, but it's reaching, it's expanding, it's reaching all those smaller cities too now. Mm-hmm. Um, Hayward, it used to be really cheap to live there. Um, and yeah, they had, a, they had a drug problem and a gang problem. Um, now those people are being pushed out. And I mean, that's not a bad thing either, but, uh, to make room for, uh, the rich to move in. Right. Now Hayward is, uh, really expensive to live in. Of course, people are stubborn. If you grew up in a neighborhood, you're not going to want to leave. And that's where the homelessness comes in, refusing to be pushed out. So, like myself, I did not want to leave this area, so I stayed in the street in this area. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never want to leave from what is known to you. One thing I've seen in San Francisco, a lot of the homeless there have taken buses to Santa Rosa. So a lot of the homeless there... Um, aren't even from the area. They're from, you know, San Francisco, other parts of the Bay. And that's, I find it kind of interesting. So I don't know if Santa Rosa has, I don't know, better programs for them. I'm not, I'm not sure. I've heard of uh, programs where social workers um, buy tickets, a Greyhound ticket for you to move to other places. Um, I believe San Francisco did it to uh, Reno, ah. <laughs> yeah, a number of years ago. <laughs> so it, it's to get rid of them, to <laughs> yes. get them out, out of state. Yes, they were uh, buying them Greyhound tickets to go to Reno, telling them how great it is over there. Wow. Reno um, did it back. You know, they were um, in the winter months. They are like, you're going to die out here in the streets. Right. You have to go back. You know, we can't house all you guys. 
So it seems like a solution for some of the cities is just to get rid of them, get yes. rid of homeless people. Yes, that is definitely an option. Okay. Uh, they, that is an option they decided to take and they've done. Um, it's, it almost sounds like, you know, too uh, bizarre to be true, right? Right. <laughs> it's nuts. No, and, this and is happening. I, I know for sure that's not really covered a lot in the media is the whole Greyhound thing, how... Tickets being purchased for homeless to to, you really only know that if you live here, if you've seen it, and and it is true, it happens all the time. Yeah, Uh, it's kind of just a, I guess for the city, it's a quick fix to get rid of their, quote unquote problem, (laughs) that they have with homeless instead of creating real solutions. Yeah, I mean even the whole, uh, I think one thing they were talking about, I don't know if you heard about it, was the, tiny homes. Have you heard about the tiny homes where they're thinking about making little small homes, but then. Um, like really like the size of a room where people could live like homeless. Yeah. And then, and then a lot of the cities, they said, Oh, those, those homes aren't up to code. We can't build those in our, in our cities. Yeah. I never knew what happened to that. I remember it was a proposed idea, but yeah. I, I never saw no action other than, you know, just the talk of it. Right. Uh, but they shut it down because they don't, uh, it didn't follow code. Yeah. <laughs> also another thing we're, Dealing with over here in the Bay Area is um, a huge meth epidemic. Meth and heroin epidemic, really. Mm. Um, skyrocketing number of people uh, who use it. Um, San Jose is uh, a lot of uh, meth users, and it's terrible. Mm. But I mean, at least everyone I know knows at least one person or has a family member who is addicted to the drug. To any drug? No, meth in particular. Meth in particular? Yes. Wow. Yes. Methamphetamine. And um, if you're not familiar with methamphetamine, it will literally destroy you. It will completely change the person. They will do whatever they can to get their hands on it. And they don't care what they do no more. Whether it be robbing, prostitution, um, anything. Mm. They'll do anything to get it. Uh, one of the names for the pipe, <laughs> one of the nicknames of the pipe, of a meth pipe, is the devil's dick. Yes, I heard of that you one. You heard about that? I heard, yeah. The devil's <laughs> dick. <laughs> you're you're sucking on the devil's dick because it, it it they say it possesses you. I have definitely seen people change a hundred percent. It is sad, really. Um, on a personal note, um, the mother of my child got addicted to that, and um, I cut communication off completely after that and uh, it's it's sad because she was a completely different person before it, it, it really hits hard close to home mm. uh, for me um, I saw someone you know I cared for very dearly at the time change right in front of me and she was a great person before, 
and to have to, you know, tell them, no, you cannot see our child yet, no more. Because right now you you are taking care of your daughter um, yes, as a I, single parent. I'm a single parent, and um, which is very kind of uncommon to have a a father a father yes. single male parent. <laughs> yes, but in your situation, that is the best choice for your daughter because you're she's obviously the mother's on um, methamphetamine. Yes, is she still on methamphetamine? Uh, you know, I I have not I've lost contact with her. I avoid contact with her, and uh, but I believe so. Um, always in and out of jail and prison, um, you know, having a a wild lifestyle that you know maybe may be acceptable for a young adult with no responsibilities, and I said maybe, you know. But as a as a parent, you know you gotta dedicate your life to that child, and if you can't do that, then you know you can't be in that child's life. Right. Yeah, it seems like I mean drugs are are a huge, huge problem in in the U.S. and the country. Um, and obviously there's a whole history behind drugs about the government uh, making most of the drugs and bringing them in to destroy families. And we, we know that the CIA yes. has, has their the involvement. The crack epidemic was right. uh, sponsored by, what was it, the CIA? The CIA. So we, we know this, and so obviously your the mother of your child is, is simply, she got wrapped in that whole game. Um, she's the, she's the one of the, like if it was a game of chess, she's a pawn in, in their game. Because they want, uh, they want. It's really sad, <laughs> but yeah. this government wants people on drugs. They want, it, they want to destroy families. They don't, you know, they don't give a fuck about us. At the end of the day, yeah, like like we discussed before we started the podcast, uh, you said, um, you know, I know there's some sensitive stuff, and you know, if you don't want to talk about it, I told you, man, uh, people need to know, right? And we can't censor this, you know. Yeah, it fucking sucks. But I mean, people need to know the lives are being destroyed over here. Whole families, this uh, homeless situation, this drug situation, not um, jobs that don't pay enough. This is all connected. Right. It's all connected because America has her interest. America is like a female, you know, it's like a, she has her interest. She has, she wants to make sure she stays in power and she wants to make sure her money keeps coming in. Yes, that's, that's it. correct. And if anything comes in the way, it's going to stop. It's going to, to destroy it. Um, and that's what it does. That's what it's been doing. So it, it doesn't give a, it doesn't fu- fucking care if people are on drugs because then they can put people in jail. And then once you put people in jail, then you can make money off of them. Then you can also use them for cheap labor. That is all very true. Um, it's all wrapped up in the same system. And then also it, it gets um, social workers and all these government jobs. It gives them jobs to have, the court system. Because without people doing drugs, then you have more peace, then you have more family. And then why do you need so many cops? Why do you need so many judges? Why do you need so many 
I believe uh, the the jails is the big money maker. Um, jails are mainly occupied by um, African Americans and Latinos. Putting us in jail is their money maker, right? You know, and um, yeah, it's terrible. Um, going back to the whole crap crack epidemic. Um, they did that on purpose because uh, they saw African-Americans uniting and creating these huge movements, really inspirational movements. And uh, they said, how do we destroy their movements? They're becoming empowered now. How do we put them back down? And bring drugs in the community. Yeah. Get them all hooked on it. It's happened to the Latin community as well. Um, you know, drugs don't discriminate, but they are pushing them on us. And with poverty, depression from homelessness, um, people just fall into drugs out of, um, pure depression, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the need for, to feel alive again course that's not the way to go mm-hmm. but i mean you speak to a lot of people and from foreign countries and they'll say damn it's a lot less stressful back home back in back wherever they're from whether it be mexico or jamaica or all these you know a lot of third world countries philippines well they'll say yeah we don't have a lot of money but we're we are uh, we're less stressed because yeah. the u.s is formulated in a way where everyone is so fucking stressed out all the time. And it goes back to what we were talking about with the economy. Yeah. Um, I believe it's kind of, um, for, uh, immigrants coming into this country, it's really a make it or break it situation. Either make it or it'll break you down. Um, and when I'm talking about break you down, I'm literally mean it will destroy you. Because hmm. it's rough. Especially if you don't have any family members here to um, help support you. Makes it ten times, a hundred times more rougher, you know. And that's really the situation for a lot of people coming here. They don't have a family member to fall back on. They are here on their own and... It, a lot of uh, Latin Americans fall to drugs and um, gangs because, uh, you know, there's no structure. They have no family structure here and they'll find a family in the gang, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's really just reality. Right. And it's funny you mentioned that is, is uh, I mean, the Mexican Mafia, which is one of the oldest Mexican gangs in California, was started for that very reason. It's because Mexicans, Chicanos, they couldn't go to the cops because the cops wouldn't do anything for them. It wouldn't help them. So they built these communities, <laughs> which became gangs, to protect themselves. I believe... Uh, mo- 
the Bloods and the Crips started the exact same way right. um, here in California as well. It was um, initially um, a protection group, if you may, for your neighborhood. Um, also, MS-13, President Trump uh, has uh, mentioned that gang a lot. Also started here in California and mm. LA actually. Um, it was uh, young Salvadorians coming over here, and you know, like I said, no structure, no um, no one to fall back on really, and they build small communities within their community to try to defend themselves against other gangs right. that were already established there. And um, what these gangs do is. Um, you got to be ruthless. The more ruthless you are, the the less they will, you know, fuck with you, if you may. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so you go all out trying to be the, the baddest motherfucker. What ends up happening is uh, they go to prison and then get deported. You get sent back to El Salvador. And now you're back in El Salvador and... This is the lifestyle you know. Mm-hmm. So you bring it back over there, and and then you start building again over there. That is the origin of MS-13. It actually started here. Not in El Salvador. No. Yeah. It was I, I know back. Trump Trump it, was throwing that around, wasn't he? It that? was brought back to El Salvador from Salvadorians, deported from here, sent back to the country. And from there, they continued building. And... Um, but that is crazy. It is actually uh, an L.A.-made gang that is now global. So it's funny. It's like uh, a lot of the crimes that we have are all—they're all like the gangs. A lot of the gangs were, were made but here they, in but California. They, they were symptoms. They just <laughs> were symptoms of how America treated us. Yes. You wouldn't need a gang if you knew that the cops were out for you know, watching out for you just like they did for your white neighbor. Yes. You know, but that that was never the case. So America always it is the reason why all these issues have popped up. They create the issues and the gangs are simply it's like a symptom. Yes. Um, if you can remember the if we could go back to the L.A. riots, um, the cops were known to beat African and uh, Latinos in the street for no reason. Mm-hmm. They would uh, Rodney King. Right. He got beat for no fucking reason. And it was on both sides. I mean, it wasn't just uh, Africans. It was also the Latinos. We were getting beat up for no reason also, you know? Mm-hmm. We just routine traffic stops, but we'd get our ass beat. Um, if you have literally, if you fear the cops, how are you even supposed to call them for help if they're beating you in the street? No reason. Right. You have to take up arms and, you know, enforce your own laws. Of course, once drugs get involved, um, things change, you know. Originally, gangs were created in uh, L.A. to defend your neighborhood. But um, Well, think about it. I mean, they start selling drugs because 
there's no jobs. There's no jobs. That's the only reason why they sell drugs. And people don't get that. They think Mexicans are bad people because they fucking sell a lot of drugs. And because a lot of Mexicans do sell drugs in, in, in this country. Um, but the reason they do it I because minorities as a whole, minorities as a whole, right? They're involved with the Vietnamese, right? Vietnamese and the African Americans, because there's not enough jobs or not enough good jobs, or those good jobs aren't given to them, yes. right? It's given to a select few of people who typically their job, the good jobs are cherry picked, and um, we get the leftovers, really, right? The low-paying jobs. Yeah. The low-paying jobs. We're There's jobs, here. but they're just low-paying. We're over here fighting for low-paying jobs, and um, when you're offered a more lucrative lifestyle, um, after living in poverty for so long, you want to get a taste of uh, the good life. Right. You don't want to be uh, struggling to survive. Right, because the at the end of the day, if you have a child who's, who's hungry... You're gonna do whatever you, whatever you can do to, to provide for them, right or wrong. True. And it's very and, true. And, but again, it is what the United States has created. Yeah. And you know, um, so, um, back to what you were saying before, uh, you know, kind of taking the taking the idea of protecting yourself. Because they're not going to protect you. Yeah, I um, I'm a huge supporter of um, taking up arms and being armed. I personally owned um, I owned five firearms. Um, a lot of people ask me why. Why do you need so many? What are you scared of? And I'll tell them, not a goddamn thing. <laughs> Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that phrase? How does it go? I would rather be judged by nine than carried by six. I believe I have heard that phrase. Uh, I haven't heard in a long time. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> right? it is true. It is judged true. by nine, which is a jury of nine people then carried by six, which mm-hmm. is when you're in a casket, they carry you. And so uh, I, I think that should be the philosophy for a lot of people. We, we yeah, I mean, uh, carrying a firearm, even if, even just in your home setting, I mean, for example, the other night, I heard what sounded like a window break in my house um, I jumped up. I wasn't scared. I grabbed my Magnum, uh, revolver, Magnum revolver. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I first went to go check my daughter's room, make sure she was okay. After that, you know, I started to, uh, I checked around the whole house, make sure, you know, there wasn't a break in. But I wasn't scared. I felt secure. I felt I had peace of mind. You know, mm-hmm. I could defend myself. Right. It's funny because a lot of these celebrities who are anti anti gun or anti Second Amendment, Justin Bieber and all these these big celebrities that speak against guns, 
whenever they go outside or to a public event, guess what they have around them? Bodyguards. Which have which have guns. Firearms. Yeah, all of them. You know. <laughs> Every single one. Well, if you don't believe in guns, why, why do they have guns? Yeah. Um, you know, also, um, about a year back, I had gone to a fireworks show in downtown San Jose. Um, I like, um, I like wearing, uh, jewelry, you know, and, um, cause it's, uh, it's a status symbol, if you may. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming from struggling, I mean, everyone wants uh, a good status symbol. And um, I wear, like, you know, I prospered through my hard times and I came out good, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, some guy, um, racially motivated, um, tried to... Um, robbed me at gunpoint. And I say racially motivated because um, he was white and, you know, he was saying all these racial slurs to me. Five minutes before I start walking, I'm walking down to my friend's house and uh, five minutes after he had said all these racial slurs at me, uh, he pops out of the corner with a fucking rifle at my face telling me to take off all my jewelry, give my wallet, my phone, everything. Um, yeah. Did you have your gun with you? I had thought about bringing one with me. I did, but I figured um, I'm going to leave it at home because, uh, you know, this was, um, it was an event in downtown San Jose. I didn't feel, there's going to be a lot of heavy police presence. I didn't feel like I needed it, I felt police will protect me. Hmm. That wasn't the case. Wow. <laughs> um, what happened? So he pulls out this rifle on me, and um, with my friends I'm walking away from, they pull out their cell phone and start screaming at him, telling him that he has them on Facebook Live. And he's walking up to him to record his face and everything, and like I said, he has a rifle. You need two hands to hold the rifle. And um, he tried snatching the phone out of their hands. As soon as he did that, I tackled down. I tackled him down to the ground. And you know, there was um, a slight wrestle for the rifle. I personally was assaulting him while my friend was trying to take the rifle from him. The barrel was pointing down both our faces at multiple times. You know. Um, yeah, it was scary. And um, when all said when all said was done, I mean, we took the rifle away from him, and uh, I chased him down the block. Idiot lived a couple houses down from where he was trying to mug me at. Um, when I was trying to get information from the police about the whole incident, they're acting like they didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Even after there was a police report and everything, 10 cops came by shortly after, you know, all pointing their guns at me. Of course, I'm suspect number one. Hmm. And wow. um, the way the guns are pointed at you. Yeah. And I was like, 
And you're the, you're the victim. I'm, I told him, I'm the victim here. Don't fucking point your guns at me. He ran in there. Wow. They took my statement and everything. They took the rifle that we took away from the guy and never gave us information again. I went back over there and I was like, hey, look, I want information on this guy. Like, did you guys even arrest him? <laughs> and um, they were like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you could imagine my anger at that point. <laughs> Extremely frustrated. Um, eventually, you know, I just let it go. Mm-hmm. I was really angry for a long time, though. Wow. I bet you if you were a... person of European descent. White. Uh, white. Yeah. They would have helped you out. I'm sure they would have. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they would have. Um, you know, and that being said, actually, um, California is... Um, um, from my understanding, the least racist state out of all 50 states. It is not the same elsewhere. Um I have had friends that travel on vacation to other parts of the country, and um, they feel like, you know, they are judged, looked down upon, and um, as far as even hearing them telling them remarks, Mm. you know, uh, here in California, it is different. As a Latino, you do not hear that often. You know, you walk around... And no one is saying racist remarks to you normally. It is rare to hear a racist remark. Um, We all tend to get along, you know, the the African-Americans, the Asians, the whites, the browns. We all kind of co-live. Yeah, California is interesting because they, it does kind of feel like a separate place from the rest of the country. Because if you go to other places, like you said, it feels different. Yeah. It feels the, different. You get bad vibes. You get everyone. bad vibes. You get that bad energy. You feel but like it's people... different here. That's you, why like, I love California. I mean, California is progressive. Yeah. And, But it isn't the norm, and it doesn't represent the United States. No. It doesn't represent the U.S. as a whole because you travel to parts of Arkansas. You go to places like even Massachusetts, where I've been living. Um, you can feel different vibes and different energy as if people do not, they do not want you there. Yeah, I'd say ra- racism as a whole in California is looked down upon, really. Maybe secretly there is, but not um, openly spoken about. Um, it is uh, very progressive, like you said. Right. But I, I, at the same time, I feel like people here in California, we can forget. Sometimes we forget that um, that other people in other parts of the country, Hispanics and, 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 and blacks, African-Americans, aren't being treated very well. And we forget it. We've, we, oh, we think everything just uh, is okay. You know what I mean? Everyone's treated equally. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. Yeah. And... We can't ignore what's happening um, 
for the rest of the country, in my opinion. Uh, so can't turn a blind eye. That is true. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be good if we wrapped up this uh, podcast, and uh, I'm going to try to bring Omar on for a second podcast. Um, thank you for joining, and <coughs> until next time, peace. This ignorance exists, but it can be destroyed. Niggas talk about change and working within the system to achieve that. The problem with always being a conformist is that when you try to change the system from within, it's not you who changes the system. It's the system that will eventually change you.